we're glad to be sharing the ministry of Redemption Church with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Anybody alive? Yeah. We're talking about the Jesus who said, I come that you might have life and have it to the full, have it overflowing, have it abundantly. Can we clap our hands for that God who's come to make us alive? Lord, make us alive today in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise be to the name of Jesus. Welcome everybody to Redemption Church. Look at somebody say, hey, glad you're here. Welcome, 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 welcome. Look, it's all right. Cool. Excellent. We're so glad that you are here in Plano, Texas with us at Redemption Church. My name is Chris Lewitt, and I welcome all of you in the room, and I welcome all of you online. For real, y'all, all you online, we love you guys. We want God's best for you. We believe it's no accident that you found us and that you're here for the night's sermon. God's got something for you, so receive it in Jesus' name. I want everybody to join with me in Matthew chapter 15. Matthew 15. If you pull up your phone, I'd like you to pull it up. I'd like you to pull out that Bible. If you got one of them highlighters, go ahead. This might be a highlighting kind of day. I've got something for a verse you've probably read all your life, but I got something new for you today. It's a new revelation for me. It's not new as in we wrote it five minutes ago. Nearly 2,000 years ago, God, Jesus said these words But how many knows Jesus just brings revelation upon revelation upon revelation. You can read something in the Bible over and over again, but God's got a new revelation for you, and it comes for you when you need it most. Anybody know what I am talking about? We're in Matthew chapter 15. I want God to move in my life tonight. Anybody relate to that? I want God to move in my life tonight. I want God to move in your life tonight. Who wants God to move in this place tonight. Yes. Yeah, all right. I, come on. We, we want you to move, Lord. Who believes God will move in this place tonight? Yeah. All right, excellent. With that said, we're about to read the powerful word of God. You want to see change in your life? You start reading the word of God, and that's what we're going to do. Lord, honor your word tonight. Matthew chapter 15, beginning at verse 21. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre, and Sidon. Verse 22. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon possessed and suffering terribly. Verse 23. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away. For she keeps crying out after us. Verse 24. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Verse 25. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me. Anybody ever have a Lord, help me kind of prayer? Lord, help me. She replied. She said this and And Jesus says this, verse 26, he replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Verse 27, 
Yes, it is, Lord, she said. I love her boldness. Yes, it is, Lord. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Verse 28. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. Can anyone thank the Lord for the word of God tonight? I want to talk to you tonight about the children's bread. Can somebody say the children's bread? bread. Say it one more time all over this place. The children's Bread. bread. This story of Jesus and the Canaanite woman features the children's bread. Did anyone catch it in the story? Someone did. Did anyone over here catch it in the story? It was kind of right there in the middle of the story. Do we know what the children's bread is? What is up with this children's bread? What is up with this children's bread? What is the children's bread? Let's look at it one more time. Verse 26. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. What's this bread about? Where did, the, where did it start? It started here, verse 22. A Canaanite woman from the vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My, my daughter is demon-possessed and suffering miserably. So it starts asking for what? A prayer request. Help us. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. That's where it starts. And right in the middle, Robert, he's like, bread. Where's this bread come from? What's this bread all about? Jesus just kind of almost takes a detour. Do you see it? You're looking at it this way. You know, he didn't do that on accident. Jesus is the greatest teacher that ever was. He wanted to teach something to us tonight. And that's why he brought up the children's bread. She asked for what? My daughter is demon-possessed. She's suffering terribly. I imagine that that this daughter was suffering 100% of the time. I imagine that this mother did everything that she knew to do to try to solve the problem. But this girl was constantly in pain, and there was constantly a problem hovering about her life. It starts there, it goes to bread, and then how does it end? Verse 28. Then Jesus granted, said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted and her daughter was healed. Say that one more time. Healed. Her daughter was what? Healed at that moment. Somebody say the children's bread. Bread represents sustenance. It represents strength. It represents vitality. It represents food. Anybody enjoy bread? I could have a knockout body if it weren't for bread. I love me some bread. Jesus offers this bread, and bread represents everything your body needs. Your body needs bread. Bread is earned by the work of an authority. Let's say a father 
over a family. And a father does a work and he earns the bread and he gives the bread to his children. Very good. To the ones who couldn't go out and do that work, who couldn't earn it, the father of a household gives bread to the children. Y'all following with me so far? Jesus speaks of a bread that comes straight from the father. He speaks of a bread that belongs to the father, but he has given it to the children. He's talking about a bread that belongs now to God's children. A bread that comes straight from God, our father, and is ours. Somebody say supernatural bread. Do you agree Jesus is talking about supernatural bread? Who thinks Jesus is talking about wonder bread? Nobody? All right, that's very good. Who thinks Jesus is talking about that, that limitless breadsticks at Olive Garden? As good as those are, I like bread, guys. As good as those are, how many know that's not what he's talking about? He is not talking about the bread down the corner at, at the bakery. He is talking about a what? A supernatural bread. Do you agree? The Canaanite woman asked for Jesus to do something about her daughter who is under a supernatural power, a demon, and is suffering. So does that sound like she's asking for something supernatural? It's supernatural bread, y'all. The story ends with the daughter healed and the suffering and the rule of the demon comes to an end. What are we talking about? We're talking about something supernatural. We're talking about supernatural bread. And who does it belong to? The children. It belongs to the children. It's the children's bread. Who does this supernatural bread belong to? Somebody say it belongs to me. It's yours. It's the children's bread. We need supernatural bread. Quick reminder of supernatural bread in your Bible. If you take a little moment to think, maybe you'll think of this. Jesus teaches us to pray daily in Matthew 6 and 11. He teaches us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. You're asking God every day for a bread that comes straight from him. There is a bread from heaven. In the Old Testament, they call it what? Manna. Manna in the Exodus story. John 6 and 33. Jesus says these words. He says, for the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. The people Jesus is talking to thinks that sounds pretty good. Verse 34, they say, sir, give us this bread. That sounds good. We want this bread. But they are thinking about the bread down on the corner, out in the street. They're thinking about that bread. Was it Credence? Reference? Ricky's nodding here, sorry. Jesus, though, is the bread that comes down from heaven. Jesus, though, is the bread of life. Verse 34, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. What does that mean? That means all your needs are provided by Jesus. When you come to him, all your needs are provided for him. You're weak in your body. That need is provided 
for him. You've got a longing in your spirit. It is provided for him. You need an answer to prayer. It is provided for you by him. You need a miracle. It is provided from Jesus to you. Whatever you need, he is that bread. He is that bread. He is that bread. God gives bread straight from heaven. Jesus is that bread that gives life. Does God provide supernatural bread to his children still today? Do you think that's something that ended? Is that something that is in the past? Or do you still think that that Jesus is still the bread of life? And do you still think that it's the children's bread that comes straight from the hands of our Father in heaven? Somebody say, yeah, if you agree. Yeah. Oh, then I'm in the right church tonight. First Timothy 5 and 8 tells us these words. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives, especially for their own household, has denied their faith and is worse than an unbeliever. What, what is that telling us? It's saying that you need to provide for your family. So do you think we are a part of his family? Is he our father and we are his children? Let me ask you, does he still provide? Does he still give you all your needs according to his riches and glory in Jesus Christ? Does he still give you water when you're thirsty? Does he still give you bread when you are hungry? Somebody say yes, yes, yes. Luke 11 says this. Luke 11 and 11, which of your fathers, Jesus asks, Jesus asks if your son asks for the bread, we'll give him a stone. He's asking this question. Just imagine... A little boy goes up to his father and says, Father, can I have bread? And the father gives him a stone. Here, son, chew on that. Jesus is making a point here. And here's his point here in verse 13. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit Spirit to those who ask him? He is likening the bread to the very Spirit of God. Do you see it? Does he still give this bread? Does he give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Yes. Yes. If you ask for the bread, the Father gives you bread. If you ask for the Holy Spirit, the Father gives you the Holy Spirit. Somebody say supernatural bread. I hear a little clicking sound up here. I don't know if you hear that guy back there. Thank you. My son hears it. Those keen ears of his. All right. In the case of Matthew 15, it is clear that the children's bread was deliverance of an evil spirit and healing by Jesus. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Y'all need to read it again. Y'all need some more thoughts on that. It is clear that when he brings up bread, it is about what he's about to do in this little girl's life. He's about to expel an enemy from her life, and he is about to end her suffering. Yes. That is the bread. It's supernatural bread. It is the children's bread. I want to tell you a testimony. Anybody want to hear a testimony? Yeah. We in the Fluid family have had a very, very difficult Last year. Very difficult. 
last year has been really hard. Our son, Will, has been in and out of the hospital. We've been in at least three hospitals probably five times. Is that about right? Am I close? We've been in the hospital way too much. We've been in the hospital. We've been in emergency rooms. Why? Because we were in continual pain. In September, a pain started to take place in my little boy's body that was 100% continual all the time. If you asked him how he felt, he said, I hurt. He had trouble sleeping because he was in pain. He had trouble doing any school because he was in pain. He was crying. He would have such pain that it would cause him to throw up. It caused him to hardly be able to eat. It was a very difficult time. You in this church, you know about this pain. We have prayed about this pain. We've asked God, help us in this pain. We were like that Canaanite woman and we ran up and said, Lord, help us because our son is in terrible suffering and pain. We tried every doctor that we knew to try. We went to ERs. Every ER went, what? We're going to fix this. No ER came close to fixing it. They could not find a drug or a medication that would take away the pain. They gave him morphine. And he was pain-free on morphine for about five minutes. And then every other time they gave him morphine, nothing. Fentanyl, the powerful drug that everybody's worried about, we gave that to our son. It, not the illegal kind. Not the illegal kind, Ron. But the pain wouldn't leave. So they said, well, we'll try this. We'll go straight to the nerve. We'll go to the nerve. We will bypass his digestion. We'll bypass all of these things. We'll bypass the bloodstream. We'll buy, we will go straight to the source of the nerve. We will numb the nerve. We will put all of the medicine right there. That'll stop it. Not even for a moment did that ease the pain. It didn't ease the pain. It definitely didn't stop the pain. The pain has been continual 100% of the time. Things got really difficult in our home. Things got really troublesome in our home. Our son is so frustrated. We're at ends. We're praying. Nothing's happening. It is a hard time in the fluid house. So, one day, it's the worst. Anybody have one of those days? You ever have a day that's just the worst? Can I tell you something? God still works when it's the worst. We had a day where there was yelling. We had a day where we heard things that weren't pleasant to hear. We had a day where we were just eyeball to eyeball in our bedroom trying to talk things over. We're trying to talk to Will. And that conversation is like all over the map. And we're just trying to make anything good happen out of this conversation. Anyone have a conversation like that? Oh, it's bad. 
we're having this, we're just trying to, and it's like, well, let's try to address this. Nope, it's over here. And it's just swinging all over the place, this conversation. And then out of nowhere, everything turned. My son brought up this. He brought up that he was having trouble forgiving people. That he was not able to forgive people. And that's when it happened. I saw right then and there. I said, son, we have gone to every physical doctor. We have tried every physical thing. I believe that what you've got in your body and the pain that's happening in your body is not physical or else we would have found a physical answer. What we are dealing with is a spiritual issue. Do you want to be set free? And like that, as the Bible calls it, godly sorrow. What does the Bible say? It says godly sorrow brings forth repentance. That's something you need to know. Say it with me. Godly sorrow brings forth repentance. My son begins to call out people's names from years ago. People we didn't know. People from third grade. He started to call out those names. And he would say, God, I forgive that person. And big, the most beautiful tears. Let me tell you, tears of repentance are beautiful. Ten tears of repentance are cleansing. And he starts to call out these people. He starts to call out people that, he, that made him mad that very day. He calls out all these people's names. He says, God, I forgive that person. I forgive that person. And God, forgive me for not forgiving them. And he prays this beautiful prayer of repentance. I recommend repentance. Anybody recommend repentance? Yeah. Oh, thank you, Lord, for repentance. When my son had finished praying this simple prayer of repentance, I just very gently reached over my hand and I laid it on his head. And I prayed the most calm prayer I've ever prayed. And you know, Robert, I have trouble being calm. It's the most calm prayer I think I might have ever prayed. It's way up there. I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke this lying spirit of infirmity. That spirit is not welcome in my son or in my home. It must leave in the name of Jesus. Now we're in our bedroom. I'm there. Will's there. Mom's there. I kind of just cast the demon out of my son. So I'm like, what does he think about this? So I calmly approach that subject. How do you approach that subject? That's an interesting one, right? I said, Will, what do you think about all this? Will's just looking forward, wide-eyed. He says, I don't know. I said, Will, what do you think about this? In my back of my head, I'm going, 
have I totally missed the boat? He says, I don't know again. Then finally, I switch my question. I ask, Will, how do you feel? And he says, the pain is gone. The pain is gone. Will told me later that when I prayed that prayer against the enemy in the name of Jesus, he felt a, say it son, he felt a whoosh. Everybody go whoosh. He felt a whoosh like something just, a whoosh. And he, that was the moment. That was the moment. There's a lot we can say go a lot of ways on this story. But I want to give all glory to God for this story tonight. And I want to teach you three things from it. Not just from our testimony, but also from the word of God. Are you willing to listen for a few more moments? Before we go any further, I want to remind you that the Jesus who healed the Canaanite woman's daughter is the same Jesus who healed the preacher man's son. And he is the same Jesus that will do a work in this place tonight. Are y'all interested in a supernatural bread tonight? I have three things to teach you from our testimony and from the word of God. Number one, the spiritual often masquerades as the physical. The spiritual often masquerades as the physical. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 14 tells us that the devil masquerades as a angel of light. He not an angel of light. There is darkness only in him. Only lies and death in him. Right? But he masquerades. He fakes it. He does cosplay, y'all. And he tries to show up as an angel of light. But there is no light in him at all. The devil masquerades as something he is not. This is what he does. The works of the devil masquerade as something they are not. He will say one thing and it's not the truth. He often lies. Who knows that he's the father of all lies. His spiritual attacks often masquerade as physical ailments. That was the case with my son. And this was the case with the Canaanite woman in Matthew 15. And many other stories in the Bible. When you read through the Gospels, time and time again, you will see somebody who looks like they have a physical condition and Jesus walks up and rebukes a spirit. Are you experiencing a physical pain that you can't seem to fix? Somebody listen to me. I'm telling you that you've tried everything. You've, you've tried, you've worked at it, you've, 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 you've tried every medicine that they could throw at it. There is something physical, maybe there's something in your emotional state. There is something that is just, you can't solve the problem 
under anyone else's strength. The smartest brains with the, with the degrees on the wall cannot fix your problem. If that is who I'm talking to tonight, I want to tell you that you might be facing a situation that is a spiritual issue masquerading as a physical issue. What if it is not physical? I want you to think about that. What if it is a spiritual issue that is causing the suffering like Matthew 15, like with my son? I want you to consider that tonight. I'm not telling you to throw out your medicine. I'm not telling you to stop going to your doctor. I'm not telling you to do any of those things. But I'm asking you tonight to consider, to consider, to consider. There was a woman with an issue of blood. She had the issue for 12 years. She has sought out every doctor in the world. But it was not a physical issue. It was an issue that was fixed by the virtue of Jesus Christ when she reached out and touched the hem of his garment. I'm telling you today that if we were still going down the road of let's solve this with a physical issue, my son would still be in pain and I would have no testimony for you tonight. Number one, the spiritual often masquerades as the physical. Number two, everything that is not subject to Christ is subject to something else. It's called the kingdom of God. Somebody say kingdom. Kingdom. Dumb there is like domain. It's the king's domain. Everything that is not under the dome of the king is subject to something else. Imagine that there's a dome above me. My life is subject to the rule and authority of Jesus Christ. But there are things in our life that kind of get outside of the reign of Christ. Is my right foot under the domain right now? No, it is sticking outside. There are parts of our life that will stick out under the reign of Jesus Christ. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You know that you can come to church and hold out this secret sin over here and say, God, I give you everything except this thing that I'm not going to bring to the altar tonight. I'm not going to stop doing this thing. That thing is not subject to Christ. It becomes subject to something else. And that's what sin is. Sin is the thing that you've not allowed to be subject to Christ. Pornography is not subject to Christ. Lying is not subject to Christ. Stealing is not subject to Christ. Hatred and racism is not subject to Christ. Drug addiction is not subject to Christ. That's a thing in your life that is not under subjection to Jesus Christ. And when that thing in your life is not under subjection to Jesus Christ, it is subject to something else. What other thing do you think it is? It's the one who brings death. It's the one who brings destruction. It's the one who kills, steals, and destroys. And that is the entry point of the enemy to your life. In that very that place, I believe it's John 10. He says the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Right in that section, he talks about I am the gate. I am 
the entry point for you. But that area of your life that's not under his rule becomes an entry point for death, for depression, for lustful spirits, for suffering anguish from a spiritual issue. Do you see that that's a doorway? It's a doorway. So what do we do about that? Everything that is not subject to Christ is subject to something else. So what you have to do is you have to take those things that are not subject to Christ and you have to drag them. They're not going to want to come. They're not going to want to surrender. But you have to drag that thing under the blood of Jesus. You have to drag that thing to an altar. You have to confess that sin. And when you drag it to Jesus Christ and you do a beautiful thing called repentance, guess what? It is now subject to Christ. When my son dragged unforgiveness in repentance to the Lord, it gave the Lord authority over that part of his life. Do you understand? Do you understand that Jesus doesn't have authority over your sin when you do not repent? You're not allowing him to be king over that. Y'all following this? That is exactly what pornography does. That is exactly what lying does. That is whatever your sin, gluttony, all of these things, whatever it could be, that is that thing. That becomes an entry point to the enemy. And it is the area where you say, Jesus, I don't want you to have authority over that part of my life. And the enemy wants to have authority over you. He wants you to be subject to him. And that's why you listen to me. That is why when you sin, you feel so guilty. And you feel so stupid that you did it again. And you act, it actually affects your worth. You feel worthless when you do that, those things. And you feel guilty and you feel shameful. You feel all those things. Is that Jesus? Is he the one that makes you feel that way? No, it's the, the one you've allowed to be subject over you, the enemy. That is for you tonight. When we sin, we're doing things not under the subjection of Christ. So what do we need to do? We need to repent we need to drag those things that are not under the domain of the king, drag them under him, and now they are subject to Christ. I want every part of my life to be subject to Christ. I want every place I walk to be subject. I want him to be I want him to be king over my next step. I want him to be king over my next conversation. I want him to be king over my home. I want him to be king over my drive to work in the morning. I want him to be king, but I have to make him king. You see, he's the king who came in riding on a peaceful donkey, not on a war horse. He has not come to take your kingdom from you. He has come in peace. Will you make him your king? That's what the entire gospel is about. Rule two, everything that is not subject to Christ is subject to something else. Number three, my final point. You need to take authority by the authority of Christ. Say those words with me. Take authority 
by the authority of Christ. Now, I want to get this straight. We aren't the ones with the authority. We did not beat death. We did not beat hell, the grave, or sin. All of those things could whip me any day. But Jesus did. And Jesus has mastery, the Bible says, over death. He has defeated all of those things. He has the keys to death and hell. Somebody say amen if you know what I'm talking about. So when I'm saying take the authority, I'm not talking about you conjure up some authority. No, you take the authority that was won on the cross. And you take that authority and you use that authority. The authority of Christ. When did the pain leave? Did the pain leave when he repented? I want you to get this. This is going to twist some of your thinking. Allow it to. Allow it to confront you. When he repented... The pain was still there. He had a spiritual encounter. In fact, I would tell you it was not the first time that we had repented. A few weeks earlier, we were at a passion play in Dallas. We had a beautiful time of repentance there. But there were still some things not repented on. Sometimes repentance is a process. Sometimes you need to just keep coming back to that altar. Sometimes you need to just keep coming. And God, God will do that to you. God will not give you every sin that you're having trouble with at once. He'll choose one. Now listen, sometimes when you're worshiping, you get convicted of your sin. Y'all know what I'm talking about? That's a God thing. That is not a you feeling guilty thing. That is as you're worshiping, you're coming closer to a holy God. And he goes, whoa, 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 whoa. If you want to take another step closer to a holy God you got to get some unholy things out of your life. Y'all follow me. Y'all follow me. I'm telling you, and when you repent, it takes those things away. It brings things under the authority of Jesus Christ. But I want to tell you that my son was still in pain after repenting several times. So what happens? I want to tell you that the pain didn't leave until the spirit left. The pain and spirit did not leave upon repentance. It left when we took authority. Repentance took that spirit's right to dwell there away. Sin allows the authority of the enemy to remain. But when you repent, it's like he no longer has a right to be there. I told my son in the moment, I said, it's like this. One of the bullies at your old school that you still have trouble forgiving, if they came to your house with the cops, they came to your house, Will, and said, cops, get this guy. He's a jerk. Get him and go beat him up. The cops would say, is this your house? <laughs> Will would say, yeah, that's my house. Well, he has a right to be here. Whoever owns the house has a right to be there. That's why you got to become the temple of God. Because then he's the only one who has the right to be there. Now wait, if somebody gets into your house, now because they're in your house and they don't have a right to be in your house, then you can call the authority and they can show up 
and remove them from your house. Repentance takes away the Spirit's right to be there. They have no legal right to be present in your house anymore. When Will repented, that was the state of his life. The enemy no longer had a right to be in his life. But yet it was still there. I want to tell you, sometimes the enemy hangs around, not because he has a right to, but because we have not taken the authority and in faith told him to leave. When we by faith and by the name of Jesus took the authority of the cross and said, this boy is completely forgiven by Jesus. You have no right to be here. Go. That's when the whoosh happened. That's when the pain left. And that's when he was truly free. I'm telling you, this is news. It's news. It's news. And it's worthy of your attention today. That you can repent and still need to evict an enemy. But when you repent, you have every right to, to evict that enemy. And he has no right to stay. Say amen if I'm preaching to you tonight. I want to tell you this. We need moms and dads who will take authority by the authority of Christ. We need moms and dads who are bold enough and full of faith enough to lay their hands on their kids and pray the prayer of God's authority over them. We need families that are bold like that. We need young people that are bold like that. We need people that say, wait, this is under the lordship of Christ. The devil doesn't belong here and makes him leave. You need to be bold enough to chase the devil off your property in the name of Jesus. I want to ask you, and you need to get this in your heart, can you? Can you do that? Are you that Christian that will do that? Are you worried about what someone is going to think? Are you worried about what your daughter or son might think? Or are you willing to, by faith, come against the enemy? I'm going to add one more thing, then we're going to come to a close. We're going to be in this altar very soon. I want you to be in this altar with me tonight. Sometimes we pray amiss. That's in the Bible. Sometimes we pray, and that's good, but sometimes we pray the wrong prayer. Y'all get that? Sometimes we pray for the wrong thing. Sometimes we pray for the right thing, but in the wrong way. Right? Everybody, wave, wave your hand at me if you prayed that Will would feel better. That's everybody. Everyone prayed that Will would be feeling better. Here's what we did. We prayed for healing, both physical, miraculous. Do it both, Lord. Nothing. Because it wasn't the right prayer. Wait. We prayed against the enemy. Wait, this one's really hard. This one's gonna this one's hard, Courtney. Have mercy on me. Just listen. Sometimes we pray against the enemy and we tell the enemy to leave. But he still has a right to be there because the person has not repented. 
Somebody go, woo. Woo. No, see, he has a right to be there until they repent. I'm telling you, we can pray, lay hands on you. We can talk in tongues. We can douse you with oil. We could do all of those things. We could pray exactly in the will of Jesus, like, like Jesus prayed. But until you drag that thing and bring it under the dome of the king, the enemy actually has a right to be there. And so we were praying amiss. We prayed the right thing. We were praying the right direction. But something else needed to happen first. My son needed to bring his life under the authority of Jesus Christ. And then when we prayed, oh, nobody needed to fast 40 days. There, there's reason to do that. I'm not making fun of that. I, we didn't take an hour to do it. Sometimes that, you know, that, that can happen. In, in but I'm telling you, it was so simple when his life was in alignment and we took the authority of Christ and applied it. It left right then and there. Somebody say the children's bread. I'm going to ask our worship team to come. I believe God wants to do something tonight. And I believe it's only limited by what we want God to do tonight. I believe God wants to do something tonight. And I believe the only limit to what God does tonight is us. The only limit is what are we willing to drag under the lordship of Jesus? And how bold are we to take the authority of Christ and actually walk in it? I asked my son these words. They're important words. I'll ask you these words, same words. Do you want to be free? Do you want to be free? Have you been trying to address a spiritual problem, but you've been addressing it physically? Is that where you are? Have you been trying to address a physical problem without repenting? Or have you repented a little bit while I was preaching tonight? Or while you are worshiping tonight? Did one of those sins, did one of those issues come up in your mind and in your heart? Then that is the Lord saying, tonight's the night. Be set free from that. And only you can do that by coming to Jesus and giving it to him. There's no way to do it. You don't give it to me. You give it to the Lord. You surrender it to the Lord. That is what does it. Oh, what a sweet presence is in this room right now. Children's bread belongs to you. It's straight from the Father. And in Matthew 15, children's bread is Jesus delivering and Jesus healing. The children's bread is Jesus delivering and Jesus healing. This bread belongs to God's children. I'm telling you, if you don't believe in God's power like this, then you are not believing in the children's bread. You're invited to come talk to God today. Come repent. If you need to just pray by yourself, you just come to this altar, bow your head, pray, drag it. Let those tears of repentance flow in your life. It's beautiful. It set us free. It was the answer we were looking for. Will, what Jesus did inside of you, 
is equally to be celebrated as what he's done on the outside. Come repent. When, when you repent, it takes away the enemy's right to be in your life. Only you can do it. And then come take authority. Come take authority. We will pray in Jesus' name. And we will tell that enemy that he has no right to be in your life. These altars are open right now. Come receive the children's bread in this place. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for all my friends watching and listening online. I know that this was far out, guys. I know that you're probably hearing something. You're like, I don't know about all that. I want to tell you, reach out to Jesus right now. Just reach out to him. Repent. Pray. Ask him to forgive your sins. Drag them under the authority of Jesus. Tell him, Jesus, I do not want that thing anymore. I want to be set free. Ask him. He will set you free. It is the children's bread in Jesus' name. In a few minutes, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to believe that God is going to completely set you free in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on. Let's begin to worship him. Let's, if, if, you, if you're perfectly fine in life right now, why don't you just worship him and thank him? If you want God to do something in your life, come. Come. Let's talk to him. Come, let's embrace him. Come, come, come. In Jesus' name we pray. For more information about redemption, look us up online at redemption-church.com. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or even our anonymous question text line at 214-856-0550. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.